0: grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Well, Luke chapter 5, the first words, pretty well, the first words Jesus spoke to his disciples were, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then here we are in John chapter 21 at the end And the last words Jesus' disciples say before the Ascension scene is follow me. Follow me. And what does it really mean to follow Jesus? Well, it means to walk where he walked, listen to him, learn from him, experience life with him, and be a part of what he is doing. And that is what we've seen as we follow Jesus around the Sea of Galilee. And what a ride it's been on for the disciples. They saw him do miracles and heal people and calm storms and feed thousands. He had compassion on the crowds and he loved the individual. He challenged the disciples and he made them strong. And when they failed, he forgave them. It is an incredible read what we have in the Bible concerning Jesus and what he was up to when he first walked this earth. And the truth is, he's not done yet by any means. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 3.18 that he came to die for the sins of the whole world And he did that. And then to conquer death and rise from the grave. And he did that. And he ascended into heaven and rules and reigns to all eternity. We know the story. We confess the creed. Jesus has done everything to fulfill God's mission of saving the world. There's nothing we can add to any of that. Any of Christ's redemptive work. But here is the problem. Yes, God has redeemed the whole world, all of creation, but not everybody knows that yet. And not everybody believes that yet. Not everyone knows what God has in store for them. And that's sad. And 1 Timothy chapter 2 says, Hey, God wants all. All people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Luke chapter 19 verse 10, Jesus himself said, I have come, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. Has he finished yet? I sure hope not because there's lots of lost people. Is he still saving people? I sure hope so. Because there's still lots of people that need to be saved. Is he still teaching and encouraging those who follow him? Yes, he is. Is Jesus alive? Yes, he is risen. He's risen indeed. Alleluia. Then what is Jesus doing? Well, through the work of the Holy Spirit, he is busy bringing people to faith. He is inviting us to be part of that work with Him. Nothing has changed. Just like He invited the first disciples to be fishers of men, He is inviting us also to follow Him and be fishers of men, to do life with Him, to be part of His mission to save the world. Seeking and saving that which is lost and bringing salvation the good news of salvation to the world that he loves, that he died for. Mark 1 verse 15, it tells us the time has come. The time is now. The rule and reign of God is at hand. It's time to get into the kingdom of God and that hasn't changed. The doors of heaven are wide open. And so Jesus is alive and well and working in the hearts and the minds and the lives of people everywhere because he wants people in heaven with him for all eternity. Do you believe that? I do. And I love this Bible story at the end of John because it reminds me of that. It's a fishing story. It seems kind of odd to me. I mean, here Jesus has just risen from the dead, not long before this story. And Jesus has been popping in and out showing himself to people, but he has not been sticking around. So the disciples who up to his death have been following him around. Now they have no one to follow, which by the way, that used to be their whole life. And now they are back at doing what they've always done. Fishing. And not catching. And it reminds us of that first story we heard from Luke chapter 5. And Jesus does what he seems to always do. He gets people's attention. Put your nets in the deep water, Luke 5. Put your nets on the other side of the boat, the right side of the boat, John 21. And guess what? Both times when they do what Jesus says, they catch fish. For those of you who fish, you know how exciting there is in the boat when someone catches a fish. Well, Jesus really gets people's attention in this story, and he still is. He's been getting my attention lately. During this pandemic, my ministry has changed considerably. I'm used to visiting in person with people, sick, shut in, the lonely, the troubled. Not able to do that as much because of physical distancing and policies and regulations. So I've had a lot of time to think and it's scary when you stop from your busyness and think and pray. And just like Jesus was getting the disciples' attention and showing them a better way to fish, so too has Jesus been messing with me and my preconceived ideas about ministry and church. He's made me feel uncomfortable He has been stirring in me a discontent for the status quo. He's been stirring in me a rethinking of what the Church should and could be about in these days. How about you? Are you worried about the future of the Church? Does it bother you that Christianity as a whole is fast becoming the minority worldview? Does it bother you that people's values are now so different than yours? Maybe you've heard of other churches closing their doors. Are you worried about this church? That it might not be around for your children or your grandchildren? Back to the text. The disciples have no one to follow, Peter says, I'm going fishing. Great idea. What else is there to do? Sitting in the boat? Here is my under, here's what I'm thinking. If I was Peter, what would I be thinking in that boat? Were they wondering what the future would hold? Were they wondering how they were going to get along without Jesus physically present with them? Were they contemplating how they were going to fish for men? Which he promised they would do. Were they wondering if the three years of following him had now come to an end? Maybe they simply were not sure of what was coming next. Kind of, kind of like children can be. You know, children live in the moment, not sure of what to do, distracted, waiting for a parent to tell them or reassure them that everything's going to be okay. Maybe that's why Jesus cried out to them and said, children, don't you find that interesting? When we are in transition In life. In a little bit of a fog. Not sure what we should be doing or how we should even be feeling. And this often happens after a loss of some kind. For me, it's the loss of church as we know it. For some of you, an incredible loss of a loved one. He calls them children, implying that he's their good, good father. If there's one thing that I have learned in life, children go to their good father when they're scared or confused and it's time for some instruction. What was Jesus teaching them when he told them to put their nets on the right side of the boat. Was it just a simple fishing technique? I don't think so. Or was it something more profound? And here are some of the possibilities of what this simple fishing story might be teaching them and teaching us. Life lived with Jesus. Life following Jesus. Expect the unexpected and it can be exciting life lived on mission with Jesus following Jesus expect that he's going to do great things they certainly saw their share of miracles some of you have seen some miracles they're rare and then this one I will make you fishers of men and we're going to catch a lot of people for the kingdom of God because the time is at hand. He calls them children and then he asks them, do you have any fish? I read that story as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a fisher of men, that is my call. And it's as if Jesus is talking to me as I sit in my church and in my ministry in the midst of a foggy time. And he says where? Where are the fish? I made you a fisher of men. Where where are the fish? Where are the men and women that I called you to go and catch for the kingdom of heaven? Where are they? Master, i fished for almost 30 years in my ministry and I've I've lost as many as I have caught. I have no harvest for you. And just like he told the disciples, Jesus told me, maybe you've been fishing in the wrong spot. And I might add, maybe you've been fishing with your own strength and you are getting weary and tired Because you're trying to do what only God can do. I believe that is the message the disciples got that day. It's like Jesus is saying, when you follow me, when you join me on my mission to save the world, on my mission to gather people into the kingdom of heaven, you can't do it on your own. I will provide the harvest. The world is ripe unto harvest more than it ever has been. North America has become one of the largest mission fields in the world in my lifetime. Canada has gone from 67% of the population attending a weekly religious service after World War II to 30% during the 80s to less than 13% the last survey in 2016. The odds are pretty good that right now the people in your neighborhood, the people at your workplace, the people at your school are largely unconnected to a local congregation and may not be connected to Jesus at all. We're no longer a church serving a community filled with a variety of Christians. We are now a church that finds itself needing to be on mission in a mission field and we were not trained for that. The mindset of our members and our congregations across Lutheran Church Canada are perfectly calibrated for a North American culture that is essentially already gone the church i grew up in the 60s and 70s was well suited for the largely churched culture that existed in the u.s and canada at that time build it and they will come and that's how this church was started however in the subsequent decades during my lifetime The culture has dramatically shifted from a church culture, where most people go to church, or at least know they should go to church, to a mission field, where the majority of people do not go to church or feel an obligation to do so. The trouble of course is that most churches and most churchgoers continue to think and operate as if we're still a Christian culture and we're still essentially churched, and people are looking for a church home, and they aren't. Uh Uh-oh. Now you know why I'm bothered. This is why so many churches are struggling. The good news is that Jesus isn't struggling. That's what I love about the Bible. You just gotta read it. And every story, there's a challenge, and then there is such good news. The good news is, Jesus isn't struggling. He's not even worried. It's like he's sitting on the shore eating breakfast. No worries, no frets. He's got everything under control. And he knows exactly what to do next. I love this story. I'm in the boat worrying about my future, worrying about the future of the church, worrying about whether I can a fisher of men anymore. And Jesus is sitting on the shore eating breakfast. And there's a huge lesson in that for all of us. If you are worried about anything, if you're worried about the future, if you're worried about (laughs) catching the virus, if you're worried about losing your job or your finances, if you're worried about your health, If you're worried about the future, don't, because Jesus is still in charge. He always was. He always will be. Nothing has changed. He's still on a mission to redeem the world and gather people into his heavenly kingdom. Nothing has changed. In the midst of our unsettled and uncertain world, Jesus is not wringing his hands in worry. He's not confused or discouraged like some people I know. He is God. And while some of our church programs and our church traditions might be in trouble, his church is not in trouble. He promised that the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. And Jesus is very clever. He is using these shifting times and future uncertainties to wake us up and to get us up off of our pews, to get us out of our boats and rejoin him on his redemptive mission to our neighborhoods, to our workplaces, to our schools. Not everyone will pay attention and even fewer will respond. But Jesus is moving into our neighborhoods to redeem and restore all people to his father's kingdom. And he invites us to join him. He told the disciples, he told Peter, after this incident, follow me. If, we're, if we always do what we've always done, we will get what we've always gotten. If there was a day that that was acceptable for the Canadian church, that day is gone. Instead, it's time for Jesus' church, for our church, to take up the mindset of a missionary, like the disciples in the boat, that with Jesus, all things are possible. And with a few missional practices, so that by God's grace, we will get new mission results. Old mindset, old practices, old results. New mindset, new practices, new results. It makes sense. I can hardly wait to go fishing again. Now, I know how to fish. Last week, I got to go fishing for the first time this summer. And with the help of my wife and my grandkids... Next slide. No, not that one. Next slide. Oh, look at that. We caught a few fish and different species. Master angler, I know how to fish, but I want to teach you how to fish for people in your community. I want us to do that together, learn again. Next slide. Maybe... big one. Oh my goodness, that was caught last night by my son Joel. No word of lie, I had to put it up there. It's easier than you think to fish for people. We're going to be talking about that, and Jesus has done all the heavy lifting already, hasn't he? Next slide. Yes, he has. What are we worried about? Just let down the nets. The results are not up to us. They are up to Jesus. That's the clear teaching of this story. And I want to relearn how to fish for people again. And I want you to join me as we join Jesus on his mission to redeem the world. Amen.